My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, this is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine, bringing you another Campfire Chat. Today, I will be talking with Missy Burgess, a.k.a. Plato, and she can tell us a little bit about how she got that nickname uh, in a little bit. So, Missy, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's start off by you just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and please include one fun fact. Sure. Um, so like I said, my name is Missy. I grew up in a suburb of St. Louis on the Illinois side. So I grew up as a lifelong Cardinal fan. Um, I have moved around the country a little bit um, just with job stuff. I work uh, in student activities on a college campus. And so I've had the opportunity to live in several different places and currently live in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And my fun fact is that I have probably over 150 pairs of fun socks. And so um, somewhat, uh, I can tell that story, uh, cancer related, my friends, when you have cancer during COVID, they say, how can we help? And um, so everybody found out I was into socks and I just kept getting socks in the mail. So I now could go months without having to do laundry of socks. That is awesome. So what are your favorites or, or the most fun or the most wild, whichever you want to tell me about? Um, so the, the sassier, the better um, in my world. So um, I, the ones that have a little bit of attitude to them, I think it's fun for me because when you're having a bad day or you maybe have a little bit of attitude on the inside, nobody has to know that you have some sass on your socks. But um, I do have some students now on campus that will ask me every time they see me, you know, tell us about your socks. So I also have a um, one pair that from the non-sassy perspective that say, um, be basically be the sunshine in someone else's rainbow and probably oh, butchering cool. them my Angelou quote and that's the one that just sort of reminds me that what I say and do impacts the others around me I love it that is so cool actually someone gave me fun socks also uh with chemo I love that that is um your fun fact well tell us speaking of tell us about your cancer journey when were you diagnosed kind of uh symptoms that you had and then what your treatment uh, plan went from there? Sure. Um, so I had breast cancer. Um, I felt a lump and finally, I, I'll be honest, I, you know, everything you search says, you know, wait and see if it goes away. Well, I waited and it didn't go away. So I reached out to my doctor and um, she said, oh, I can't get you in right away. I'm going to have you see this nurse practitioner for 
plus soul that I'd never seen before. Um, and so I went in and she said, I'm sure it's just a cyst, but we're going to oh. do a, a stat mammogram um, just to make sure. So my world moved very rapidly from Tuesday to Friday that week, but also like an, it seemed to move so slowly. So this was Tuesday morning. Um, by Tuesday afternoon, I had a mammogram and an ultrasound Wednesday morning um, and, and had this mammogram and ultrasound and nobody mentioned the cancer word to me. Never. So I was in this oblivious world that like, oh, it's just a cyst. And the, um, they said, you know, we're just going to schedule you for a biopsy the next morning. I was not astute enough to realize that this was not good news. Um, yeah. And so the, this nurse practitioner called me that night and she said, did they talk to you about it? And I'm like, yeah, they told me they scheduled me for a biopsy. And she said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I'm a little more terrified than I was this morning. And she said, well, you probably should be. And, oh. I, <laughs> and I just, again, didn't pick up on the clues. So the next morning I go in, I have a biopsy and I happen to go to a basketball game with friends. So I'm at an away basketball game. Um, and I get a my chart message and it's got a bunch of language in it that I didn't really understand. So you Google and it, cause my it said by rads five. And I was like, oh, I don't know what that means. So I Google it and Google comes back and says, you have a 95% chance that it's cancer. And oh, I'm my. literally sitting in the middle of the gym at an away game with a crowd. I don't know. My friends have no idea that this is happening. Oh. And my world just felt like it came to a screeching halt. So I had to tell my friends on the way home, I was like, I don't know that I feel good about driving because I was the driver that oh, night and yeah. I need to tell you what's happening. And so I told my friends, those two close friends, but really kind of kept it internal. And that Friday afternoon, it was uh, December um, 20th, 2020, I found out that I had cancer. Um, and by that point, I think I had accepted it because I had read, you know, on right. Google and thought I was going in the, in the right direction. So um the person that I hadn't told was anyone in my family. And now it's December 20th and I leave to fly home on December oh, 22nd. <laughs> um, and so I called my mom and I said, mom, are you sitting down? And I know this sort of goes into the next um, part, but I had to tell my mom that I had cancer and I had to tell her that I didn't want it to ruin Christmas. Oh. I said, I, I don't know anything about it, mom. And I can't come home and talk about it for the next. And yeah. so my mom, I don't know how, but respected that. My sister is a nurse and she said, I don't want you to call your sister tonight. She's out. Um, please wait till tomorrow to call her. So I called my sister and my dad the next day and and then went home and pretended like it didn't happen. And so all the things that are happening in my head, wow. cancer, 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 and it's Christmas um, and trying to live that normal life. So um, things moved quickly from there. Um, I um, ended up having a double mastectomy at the end of January. Um, at that point, they didn't think anything had spread to the lymph nodes. So the doctor said, we're going to take the tumor out. We'll do some all the testing and then we'll determine from there. Um, when they did the surgery, it turns out it had spread to the lymph nodes. So I got the all express pass to chemo um, and then radiation and, um, and, and kind of went from there. So you got the full package. Yeah. That is, that would be extremely difficult uh, to go through Christmas and try and be normal. <laughs> try yeah, and pretend, was, I mean, I have nieces and nephews and my sister said, I don't want to tell the kids until we yeah. know what we're dealing with. And so, yeah, it was, I don't want to live it again. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. So when you, after Christmas and you went back home and then you found out the rest of it that you needed surgery and then chemo and all that, yeah. how did that get dispersed, that information to the rest of your family? Like, did you 
call your mom and she told everybody or did you end up having to to go back and tell people? Um, so I would say my um, my family is fairly small. And so mm-hmm. my once my mom and dad and sister, I sort of let them spread the message. Yeah. I really, there was a core group of people that I wanted to hear it from me. And after that, I needed other people to tell yeah. um, because I couldn't talk about it without crying. So um, I came back and right after the holidays told my staff. Um, so I supervise a team of humans and that needed to tell them I was going to be out. Yeah. Um, my boss had just been through breast cancer uh, oh, and wow. finished about six months before. She was one of the hardest ones to tell because she knew what was yeah. coming in my world. So really, um, and what I sort of told people is, I'm going to tell people on a need to know basis. Um, and if you need to tell someone to explain why I'm not here, please tell them. Um, but yeah. otherwise, I'm not going to put it out there yet. Um, and so I decided not to share on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my journey is that I started chemo on March 5th, um, 2020, and was supposed to go to a professional conference the next week. So I chose oh, to shave my head um, oh. and get a wig um, because I didn't, I wanted to go through the conference and just be able to live sort of one last time without people mm-hmm. knowing. So I chose not to tell the majority of people in the end that date is pretty critical because the conference was canceled on March 11th. Um, I, um, on March 12th, was diagnosed as neutropenic and was oh, told gosh. that I needed to stay home for a week um, because I didn't have a, a literally, I think your ANC is normal as 1.8. Mine was like 0.1. Yeah. Um, it was real low. And I thought to myself, there's no way that I can stay and work remotely for a week with like, how do you do that in student activities on a college campus? There's like this, my world is ending. I'm going to have to stay home for a week. And um, on March 13th, the world shut down. <laughs> and, so and so they everybody came home with me. Um, so. Wow. Wow. So for you, what was the, the mental and emotional impact? You've talked about a little that telling people was hard. Uh, because you would start crying, but what was going through your mind and your heart and your, um, your soul during these, those few months, because it did, it moved so quickly for you. Yeah. I think, um, for me, a big part of it was, and I, it's a visual, like I couldn't go more than like 15 or 20 minutes without cancer, cancer, like would just pop up in my brain. And so that was, that was pretty hard. Um, the other thing was I was, um, I'm seven hours from family. And so my mm. friends rallied around me. Uh, they called themselves Team Missy. They had a spreadsheet. Everybody uh-huh. had assigned days after surgery and then assigned weeks during chemo. And they that person would take care of me for the week. And so I'm not good at asking for help. And so that was both amazing and so hard at the same yeah. time to have other people have to help take care of me. Um, so I would say, actually the harder part for me mentally came in survivorship um Hmm. during cancer you sort of and during treatment i just put one foot in front of the other and kept going um you know next week next blood test next treatment um and then you know you fall off the proverbial cliff um after treatment and then i had a couple months off and then i had radiation and then and then it was kind of now what so i think it was super hard and scary during treatment but even harder in survivorship like I had thought about, you know, what happens if, um, mm. what happens if I, I don't make it? And then in survivorship, that flip, uh, switch flipped to what happens if I do. Tell me more about that. What, how did you deal with that? Because here you are, right? So yeah. you did, you did <laughs> um, make it. 
I did. Uh, I think there was, um, I, so I did a survivorship class um, online virtually. So I never even heard that there might be these things called support groups because the one at my hospital shut down during COVID. Oh, and yeah. so um, uh, then I like Google, uh, my survivorship visit after radiation. She was like, oh, there's this, you know, survivorship class you can take. So I went through that class and started to just started to think about what's next. But um I did counseling and mental health treatment, um, but for me, it was getting a little further and further out, um, and mm-hmm. so um, getting to where I had a month between doctor's appointments or that sort of yeah. thing. So I'm still in ongoing treatment uh, in terms of um, I still I get an injection every month to shut okay. down my um, ovaries, and I am still on medicine. So I still see the doctor fairly regularly, at yeah. least once a month um, for that, um, but. I do. I did. I did a lot of walking because um, it was the only safe thing during COVID. So I walked yeah. and walked and walked literally miles every day um, yeah. during treatment. I had a friend who we would meet either by my house, by her house, or somewhere in the middle, um, and and did a lot of that. So I. That's where I remember. I can tell you the exact place I was on the sidewalk when I had the moment of, not you know what happens. If if I don't make it, but what happens if I do, and how do I want to live life? I can I can tell you the house I was standing wow. in front of. So that's powerful. Wow. Now you were diagnosed during a tumultuous time, not only in your life but in the world, right? Yeah. During COVID, how well did it affect your journey, and if so, how? So I would say a couple of things. Um, one is my mom and sister came up for my surgery. And then um, the next time I saw them was about 18 months later. Wow. Um, and so um, my, I, like I said, I had my first treatment March 5th. So my friends, uh, my one friend went with me um, to my first treatment. And I, because of who I am, I live by myself, I, fairly independent. I thought, you know, I was going to try to do the next treatment on my own and see if I could do it, not knowing that I wouldn't necessarily have a choice. So that was the last treatment that I had someone with me. Um, And actually this past Tuesday, so what was that? April 24th, 2023 was the first time since March 5th, 2020 that I saw my um, nurses without a mask on. Um, And so we really didn't even know what each other looked like. But the interesting impact for me was that I didn't see any other humans in person for a span of about four or five months other than the person, the people that dropped stuff off at my house. And usually it was on the porch, the person that I walked with and my medical providers. So my occupational therapy, um, occupational therapist was a lifeline for me Mm -hmm. um, because I saw her every week. I was having some issues with movement um, and she said to me the first week, we got to find something to talk about because, um, and so it's going to be a long time that we're going to spend together. So those like my nurses and then occupational therapists were literally the only people I saw in person. And so they became my friends yeah. as well as the people that like literally kept me alive, both physically and mentally. So um, I didn't step foot in a grocery store for a year. Um, my friends kind of wrapped themselves around me. I never want to wish COVID or cancer on yeah. anyone, but and only a cancer survivor, I think, can understand this. If you had to have cancer during COVID was not entirely a bad time. Hmm. The world shut down around me. And so I didn't miss out on anything when I was neutropenic. Um, mm-hmm. I got to work remotely because everyone was working remotely. And that likely wouldn't have been an option yeah. um, pre-COVID. So there were lots of advantages. But that sense of 
isolation of, um, for many people, they talk about, you know, a friend going to treatment with them or, uh, you know, a friend going to doctor's visits. Like once the world sort of ground to a halt, all of that sort of ground to a halt with it. So I had the best friends in keeping me uh, alive and healthy, but Mm -hmm. at a distance. That's amazing. I mean, and it's interesting, you live alone. You're used to being alone, but there's something about the forced isolation that is different, right? It was tough. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean, there were a lot of FaceTime calls and um, and I got to go to bed early. Like no one knew that I was, you know, cause the world sort of stopped at four 30. Like what did we do during COVID? I, um, did a jigsaw puzzle literally one a week for about yeah. 40 weeks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, wow. Well, you talked about, um, I mean, in a sense, it sounds like your nurses were part of your support system, yeah. um, and that you weren't even familiar with that whole term. And yet somehow you found out about Epic experience. So I'm curious, how did you find out? about epic so ironically um for since 2004 i have volunteered at a camp for children with cancer and their sibling um siblings in north carolina so a couple of questions as i was coming out of treatment was okay so i want to celebrate the end of treatment but how do you do that during covid Mm -hmm. yeah um i want to live life again Mm -hmm. and how do you do that during covid so i thought well we can be outside. Is there such a thing as cancer camp for adults? Like I love doing this with kids. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I literally at two in the morning, Googled cancer camp for adults and Epic experience came up. So there's a lot of happenstance. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> that, um, and so I applied. Um, and at that point, um, Epic wasn't having uh, in-person camps, but there was doing some online things. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, maybe I can, I, I got to try something. I'm I, mm-hmm. I, like, I'm feeling isolated, feeling like, like the rest of the world has, has like moved past COVID and I couldn't really get past COVID or cancer. Like it was yeah. sort of, I was just stuck. And so um started joining some of the online stuff and then uh, got the email that was like, Hey, we're going back to in-person camps. Are you still interested? And I was like, you know, heck yeah. I am. And so um, just sort of stuck with it from there and got invited to go to winter camp. So I live in Wisconsin and you didn't know I had no winter gear um, prior to this. I'd never <laughs> been, um, I'd never done most of the outdoor activities yeah. like in Wisconsin in the winter. You just don't hang out outside a lot. And so um, I didn't know anyone, like all of these things were outside my box. So yeah. So you just attended just this last winter, right? Just I did. a few months ago. Yeah. So, so- end of January. End of January. So from the time that you applied and all of that until when you actually went, where were you at, like physically, mentally, emotionally? So prior to, and again, we've kind of now you moved out of COVID, but in some ways for you, there was still a little bit of that isolation. So going to camp, were there any fears about the, the activities, again, giving that you hadn't necessarily done them, but also just being with all these people again? So um, for me, I had been uber careful um, during COVID. Like I was one of the last people to come out of a mask, but also like I haven't had a social conversation with people in, you know, a couple of, I mean, I I had moved out. No, I know what you mean. But like those skills were 
fairly broken. Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now I'm going to go meet a group of people who I have no idea. Um, I was not a coordinated, physically coordinated human pre-cancer. And then um, during COVID, again, I'd done a lot of walking, but hadn't. And so my friends were like, um, well, my friends said, please take videos because they didn't think they said you're going to end up on the ground a lot in these winter activities. And my staff said, we'll provide the camera um, if that told you. Oh, nice. So I think I had a lot of fears of could I physically do it? Yeah. Um, could I socially do it? There's a lot of some stigma for me of is breast cancer, the good cancer. Hmm. Um, and so then when I got to camp and I met people who were stage four and you start to like feel a little bit of that survivor's guilt mm, that yeah. I was able to be, you know, mostly treated. So I had lots of like emotions, yeah. I think, coming into camp, but I was like, I only get to live this experience once. And so I describe camp for me as living a once in a lifetime experience over and over and over again. That's so awesome. I, um, I wanted to come back and I wanted to live life. And so I made the deal with myself. I never disconnect electronically. And so at camp, you're sort of forced to, but also challenged to. Yeah. And so I, it's the longest I've been in years without checking my email and doing that sort of thing. So I had lots of, I had more fears, I think, than anything coming into camp yeah. um, and what I fit in. Um, so I think that was my lots of anxiety, but I, I was like, I'm going to try it. Like I, I know summer camp for kids is fun. So yeah. here we go. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting. You had seen how it, it positively impacts these kids. And so yeah. I'm sure that at least at some level played into your willingness to put yourself in this great unknown of yeah. going. So I'm curious, what, what expectations did you have? And then after being at camp, like, were they met? How were they met? And all of that. Um, so I think for me, again, I went in with, um, both a mix of, uh, of fear and excitement. I think it was more fear, um, but that level of, um, they don't tell you a lot about what to expect at camp intentionally. So yes. I went into the experience and my friends were like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, but here I go. <laughs> um, and so I, I think I went in with, uh, I wanted to be able to hopefully get over the the cancer hurdle. Um, for mm -hmm. me, cancer and COVID being so tied together. Yeah. And um, so I think because we didn't have a lot of closure on COVID, I didn't have a lot of closure on cancer. So yeah. I wanted to I wanted to get past that hurdle. Um, I wanted to live life and I wanted to prove to people I could do it mm -hmm. um, and prove to myself. And so Mama Lou said the very first day of camp, she said, you know, we were talking about goals for the week. And she said, you know, we had a camper once who set the goal to only say yes. And I was like, I like it. I'm stealing it. <laughs> um, Perfect. So I set that as my goal coming into the week to, to only say yes. So I remember like there were lots of times that, um, the wingman, especially Colin would say, you know, you have a choice, you can do X, Y, Z, or you could do X, Y, Z. And I was always determined to choose the, the more challenging of the mm -hmm. options. And so that's, I think, I, how my mindset shifted during mm -hmm. camp was I could do it. Yeah. Um, and I came in the very first day after one of the activities and I saw the mom, I was like, I did it. And she was like, you did what? And I was <laughs> like, I did it. I made it through. Um, so 
I think um, I also was a part of like just a super accepting group. Um, And so people were like, what do you mean you were afraid you weren't going to fit in? Like we all fit in. And um, (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. Have you brought that home with you? That kind of yes attitude. And if not that, then what have you brought home uh, and applied to your life? tried. Um, so there are a couple of, and I, I don't think I live it every day, but there are a couple mm-hmm. of specific moments. Yeah. Um, so I went to Boston for a conference. And um, so fast forward 20, I, I haven't made it home much in the last two years. I didn't make it home in 2021 because of COVID. I didn't make it home in 2022 um, Christmas because that was when Delta or Omicron was coming around. And so in 2023, my flights got canceled because oh, of gosh. weather. So I have the worst travel luck. So I got the opportunity to go to the same can- conference that got canceled in March of 2020 and 2023. And it was in Boston. And we were supposed to have a heck of a snowstorm in Wisconsin. And so I could already see my flights were going to get canceled. And I was like, you know what? Say yes. And so I flew out two days early. Awesome. And um, I got the opportunity to go see Stryker, who oh, um, cool. is the president of the um, the Epic board. Yeah. And, um, I went and had coffee with them. I don't know that I would have done that three years ago, but I was like, say yes. Like you are here. You only get to do this once. Why not? So I went and had coffee with Stryker in Boston um, because That's I amazing. had the time to do it. Um, I recently interviewed for a new job and that was absolutely terrifying for a mm-hmm. variety of reasons. Um, but one of the biggest being I have to switch medical teams eventually. And so that adds a whole yeah. new dynamic to a new job and moving. Um, but I think Epic challenged me to say, say yes, like you only live this life once. And so Um, But I also just keeping in touch with people has been helpful to you. We have a text group. And so I can drop a funny cancer meme or I can say, hey, you know, this made me like think of you. And so we um, go back and forth. So I don't know that I totally changed coming out of camp, but I can tell you distinct moments that camp influenced me. Those are huge. Both of those. You said yes. I mean, that that's awesome. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you would want to share with someone listening, whether it's a survivor, a caregiver, or just someone who happens to to listen to the podcast? Um, Two things come to mind. One is um, my caregivers were absolutely a lifeline for me. So um, I didn't have family nearby um, and they were people that said, that texted and said, hey, I'm bringing over dinner, I'm bringing over groceries, or literally every Sunday during COVID and during treatment, um, my friends, well, on Saturday, the same group of friends would drop off a cinnamon roll um, from the farmer's market. And every Sunday, almost, they dropped off a Popeye's chicken sandwich. So people were like, how did you survive uh, chemo? Chicken sandwiches and cinnamon rolls. But um, I think it's the little things it's the people that drop Mm -hmm. off a coffee on the front porch um Mm -hmm. those people are some of like they weren't maybe weren't necessarily like we became close because of this journey and I couldn't have done it without them the other story is I promised uh I would I will. I thought of one more too, but I, it's a sock story is that um, I wore socks, fun socks to every treatment visit and every radiation visit. Um, and my um, favorite, one of my favorite nurses, don't tell the others, um, <laughs> he also wore fun socks. So we uh, called it 
um, Sassy Sock Thursday. And so literally, and now I still go back in on Thursdays and every time we still wear fun socks. So that was how I my friends it. found out about it um, and started sending me out. So I literally do have an, a sock problem um, at this point. Uh, the last one story that I'll tell is I think my uniquely cancer story about things that friends did for me it was the last day of chemo treatment. I was bald um, and that becomes critical in the story. So I, when I say bald, like there was no hair left. Nothing. <laughs> um, and I had challenged myself to walk every day during treatment. So I was like, I need to go out for a walk and then I'm going to have a Zoom call with friends to celebrate. So I go out for a walk and I'm walking through the park and I get bit in the back of the head by a hornet or a bee or something oh my gosh. and had to call one of my friends to come over on the front porch because you know we weren't going inside anywhere and um pull the stinger out of the oh back my of my head gosh. so that's the moment when you cemented friendship exactly um, my, my friend said that's the moment when I realized we were in it for life um, was when I had to call but I think um cancer taught me humbled me a lot and having mm. to ask for help and so yeah um it's a fun story to tell now, but also just the, um, that vulnerable moment of yeah. having to ask for help. So, yeah, I can completely relate to that. Well, thank you very much for sharing. I'm sure someone listening, uh, is probably in the same boat and those words are very powerful. So thank you. So I do have one last question. I always ask everyone this. So mar marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy. Um, so I'm actually afraid of fire. Um, so I like my marshmallows slow and steady because the idea of holding like flame on a stick it terrifies it's, me. It's a little so, terrifying. I can see that. Yeah. So, um, but um, s'mores always make me think about camp with the kids. We feed them yes. s'mores before we put them to bed because that seems like a great plan. Yeah, um, so, of course. <laughs> um, s'mores are always a happy memory for me. Um, but mm. I would say... Um, warm and toasty but definitely with chocolate and graham cracker definitely i am with you on that 100 percent. well missy thank you so much uh for sharing uh for being vulnerable for talking about your experience with isolation and finding a community and epic experience it sounds like uh, your camp has really bonded and has continued that coming out which is really cool to everyone who's listening until next time we gather around the campfire keep living beyond cancer Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Father Tom.